want to share a quick story about your pastor, because I, you know, what, what would it be, you know, I, I went to school with him, uh, both undergrad and seminary, so you, you got to throw at least one story. I uh, greatly appreciate, appreciate your pastor. Um, he's been a dear friend of mine for several years now, and uh, there was a summer where he interned in West Virginia at a church, and then I actually interned at the same church the following summer. And I'll, I'll never forget the, the time that I realized just how smart he was uh, because he and the pastor, he, he stopped in for a visit, and he and the pastor were having this deep theological conversation, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And they'd turn and look at me, and I'd say, what do you think? I'd say, well, and then boom, just right back into it. And they were just, you know, it took until about uh, 10, 10.30 at night when they were starting to get tired before I can even say anything. So um, I've never forgotten that, and I just realized, you know, this guy, he's just, uh, I always knew he was smart, but just th- that smart. So Mark chapter 14 in your Bibles, uh, one of the most interesting times that I think uh, our entire society has been through, and praise the Lord, we can kind of look back on it now, was the time of the pandemic, the lockdowns, right? Uh, can I get an amen that that time is behind us, all right? But, you know, it was, the thing that stands out to me the most uh, about that time period was how, especially in March of 2020, April of 2020, uh, it was one of the few times in my life where it felt like time slowed down, okay? Now, I know for, for me personally, it seems like every year goes by, it seems like time's getting faster, okay? Uh, you know, it, it just seems like life goes by faster and faster the older you get, but that was a two, three-month time period where just the, the, the pace of things, it's like time actually felt like it slowed down, okay? You know, when you think about time, you think about the time that you have here on earth, I hope today that you say to yourself that you want to make a difference for the Lord. I hope that you say that when you come to the end of your life, whenever that that is, they say, hey, I want to be able to look back on my life and say, what I did for the Lord, it it counted for something of of eternal significance. And, And my encouragement for you here today is just simply this, uh, God wants you to serve him with the time that he's given you. God wants you to serve him with the time that he's given you. Let's go ahead, let's start reading here in Mark chapter 14. The Bible says this, After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. A little context here, this is what we call the Passion Week. This is the last few days of Christ before Uh, This is that time in between the triumphal entry, what we would celebrate as Palm Sunday, and the time of the the crucifixion and resurrection, uh, ultimately culminating the next Sunday, to that last week of his life here on earth. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always." She hath done what she could. She hath done 
what she could. And that's the thought I want to zero in on today. Will you serve God? Will you do what you can do? Not what someone else can do, but will you do what you can do with the time that God, the resources that God has given you to make a difference for all of eternity? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would be with me now. I pray you give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just uh, fill me with your spirit, Lord. I pray that you would just help me, uh, Lord. I pray you challenge my heart. I pray you challenge the heart of everyone here, Lord, to really make a difference in the lives of the people around us for you, Lord. We ask God for your blessing on this time, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Five principles for you here today about serving God. I think they're in your handout there, but we're going to go ahead and walk through these. I think there's a handout in your bulletin there. Five principles for us today as we think about how do we serve God with what he's given us so that we can have an influence that lasts all of eternity. Principle number one is this. Opportunities for service come often, but they don't stay long. Opportunities for service, they come often, but they don't stay long. If you're going to serve God, if you want to have a life that's, that you look back and you say, hey, I, I did something for the Lord during my time, when the opportunities present themselves, you have to take hold of them, okay? As I alluded to here when I was reading the, the scriptures here, again, this is the Passion Week, okay? And so what's going on during this time, Christ makes his triumphal entry, again, on Palm Sunday, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the, the, that time frame there, leading up until the Passover time, what Jesus does is he stays in this little town called Bethany. Okay, It's about two miles outside the city of Jerusalem where he's ultimately going to be crucified. And he stays with some friends in Bethany, and then in the morning he'll walk into Jerusalem, and he'll heal, he'll teach, uh, he'll condemn Pharisees. Right there, There's a whole bunch of uh, narrative in the Gospels about what he does during this time. But the thing I want to zero in on here is this. Uh, this is a very busy time for Christ, okay? Uh, he is, as I said, he is coming and going. And so when you compare this passage with a similar passage in John, okay, we, we understand this is Mary. And uh, Mary here, when she looks at Jesus, she wants to have this opportunity to minister to him. And she rightly recognizes, you know what? I, I don't have a lot of opportunity here. I don't have a lot of time. Um, one of the most interesting things, if, if you're, you're there in the book of Mark, I want you to turn back with me a few pages to Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Because sometimes we're, we wonder, you know, the disciples, after Jesus died, they're, they're devastated, they're, they're distraught, and it's like, you know, did they know this was coming? Okay, well, if you read Mark chapter 8, verse 31, the Bible says this, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed... And after three days, rise again, okay? And so, interesting uh, verse there. Turn over to chapter 10, verse 34, Mark 10, 34. Verse 33, just for the context here, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day... He shall rise again. Now, we don't have time to, to read more passages, but basically, Jesus, he had told his disciples, look, there's a very simple formula here. 
uh, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to be killed, and then three days later, I'm going to come back to life, okay? And that truth for us today, it's, it's so simple, it's straightforward, right? Uh, the, the hope of the resurrection, that is one of the, the pillars of our faith. But for the disciples, they have a hard time understanding this. You ever had a hard time understanding something? Uh, I know I certainly have. And you ever have that, that light bulb, aha moment, okay? Ah, oh, it makes so much sense. Okay, yeah, the disciples, they haven't had that yet. <laughs> the light bulb has not come on for them. And so they just, they don't get it. But you know what the amazing thing is? You know who did get it? <laughs> it was Mary. And, you know, when you think about what all that Jesus is going through, and, and again, you, you fast forward a little bit in your mind to the, the Garden of Gethsemane after that final Passover, right? Jesus, he's pouring out his heart to God, and, and he starts to sweat, as it were, great drops of blood, okay? Uh, I, I forget the exact medical condition, but that's where, you know, your, your capillaries are actually bursting. Uh, usually it happens right before someone dies. It, it's been medically documented that that can happen. Um, it's not a good thing. Okay, the, the pressure that Christ was under at, in, this, in this time period here is just immense, immense pressure. And Mary comes along when the other disciples are like, hey, what's going on? You know, what? <laughs> they don't get it. She comes along and the text says here, hey, she anoints him for his burial. Do you, do you know what she says? She says, hey, Jesus... I, I get it. I know what you're going to go through. That, that's the act of encouragement. That's why this is so important here. That is what she is doing. She understood, she encouraged Jesus in what he was about ready to do. You know, I, I would encourage you, uh, boy, you know, have you ever not been understood by somebody? Isn't that so frustrating? You know, as we think about the opportunities that service that, that come up, you know, so many times, that's not some big thing. You know, we think, oh, serving God, that means you're preaching. That means you're soul winning. That means you're, you know, serving God means, hey, you, you see someone and you say, hey, how's your day? Hey, is there something I can pray for you about? Hey, how, how are you really doing today? So easy to say, oh, don't, doing great. You know, don't, don't we do that so often in church? You know, we come into church and we, we put the facade on. We're, we're, you know, we're happy. We're, we're smiling. Hey, how are you really doing? Hey, you know, is everything really okay? Can I pray with you about something? Can, can, I, can I be a help to you? You know, it's so many times, it's, it's those things. That's what someone actually really needs. And, and Mary, she comes in, and she will get into what exactly she does with the anointing and the significance there. But at the, the very base level, she just says, hey, Jesus, I know what you're going through. I, I know the pressure that's under you. Thank you for what you're going to do. That's what she's doing here. It is a simple as an act of encouragement that she is getting ready to go and give to Jesus here. Be sensitive to what other people are going through. Take those opportunities to go and serve God. And also, I would just encourage you as well, you know, take, plan to serve God. Uh, again, whatever you do in life, it's not going to last unless it's done for the Lord. And so take the opportunities that God gives them to you, plan to serve him. James 4.17 says this, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You know, as the Holy Spirit works in your life and he prompts you and says, Hey, go serve me. Go, go be that encouragement. Go say that word. Go take a stand for what's right. 
Stand for righteousness. Stand for truth in your workplace, in your school, wherever God has you. And you just kind of say, no, no, I, I might get ridiculed, might get made fun of. They may not like it. To him who knows to do right, doeth it not. To him it is sin. Hey, take the opportunities to be a light where God has put you. You know, I, I'm afraid that so many times we, we prioritize the wrong things in life. You know, we prioritize our own comfort. We prioritize maybe our, other people's opinions of us. Instead of prioritizing the opinions that God has of us. You know, uh, uh, something that just uh, recently kind of came to mind uh, well, kind of not recently, but it's been in the news a lot lately. Um, you know, if, if you follow, do I have any college football fans out there? Of course, maybe a few in Alabama, maybe a few. Okay. Now, a little backstory here. I'm actually not from the South. I'm from the great-ish state of Oregon. Okay. And so um, I, I love out West. All right. Now, I will say this. I was never more thankful to be in the South and particularly in Florida than March of 2020. Um, I'd call my friends and family back in Oregon and say, hey, my governor's better than your governor. Um, and um, <clears throat> I was never more thankful to be in Florida than, than during the pandemic. Uh, but I am a diehard Oregon State Beavers fan, okay? And if you follow in college realignment, all right, so for the Big 12 uh, Four teams are going to the Big 12. Four teams are going to the, the Big 10, okay? And basically, the Pac-12 has become the Pac-4, all right? And there's all these questions surrounding, and it basically it boils down to people were greedy and people mismanaged things and money, 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 all right? But, you know, a few years ago, we, we look at the Pac-12 conference and we're like, okay, you know, you're in shambles. You're not even going to exist anymore. A few years ago, I was watching some rerun of a sports game, um, I forget, maybe it was a college, I forget what I was watching, but this commercial came on on the Pac-12 network, and it said, the Pac-12 network, conference of champions. And I was like, <laughs> what in the world? How can that even possibly be uh, your, your, your tagline there, right? The conference of champions. You haven't done anything significant. I'm a fan of the conference. I, you haven't done anything significant. And then they said this, they said, the first college, cha- first college conference to hit 500 national titles. Did you realize that? When you start looking at all the minor sports, you get outside of college football, basketball, right? The Pac-12 has more national championships than any other conference. It's just, it's just a fact of the matter, okay? And here's what I thought. Do you know what the Pac-12 is really good at? Things that most people just don't care about, <laughs> okay? And you know what? That's, that's an extended illustration. Here's what I'm getting at. You care about something today, don't you? There's something that, that drives you in what you do. And my question for you is this. Is it something that actually matters for all of eternity? It's so easy to get all wrapped around the axle on this world and the things of this world, and you know, does it actually matter? I encourage you to think about that. Number one, I know that was a long illustration to make that point there. Number opportunities for service. That they're all around you. That they come up so fast. But if you don't have the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit 
to jump on and just take the opportunity to serve God, you know what? That, that moment where you could say the encouraging word, that moment where you could pass out a track, that, that moment where you could minister to someone else, it's gone. And you don't get it back, do you? You don't get it back. Second principle here this morning, service for Christ will cost you something, but it's well worth the cost. You know, in our, in our society today, we, we love free stuff. Not just in our society today. Everyone loves free stuff, right? Um, but so often, it's, it's easy to slip into the mentality of, well, hey, I'll serve God as long as it doesn't cost me too much, okay? Uh, recently, I was, um, I was in a, during the summertime, I served as the director uh, of one of our children's camps. So during the school year, I'm a college teacher, teaching the Bible department, and then during the summertime, I'm the director for Camp of the Pines. Uh, we're, we've actually been around for a long time, we go all the way back to the early 50s, uh, and the, the name's changed a little bit through the years, but uh, the, the camp has been around for quite some time, so I'm the director for that, and um, one of my big jobs is just staffing, right? Recruiting people, getting people to come and, and go be willing to go work camp. And I, I had a, a young man, and he, he signed up to camp for camp. Then he backed out on me, okay? And the reason he gave was, well, I can make more money doing lawn care this summer than coming to camp. And, you know, I, I understand money's an issue. I understand that there's, there's real financial burdens that people have, okay? Um, and, and I don't begrudge him too much. But I do have a newsflash for you, all right? Uh, serving God will cost you something. Um, and when you say, hey, I'm going to go and serve God, uh, oh, but, but you know, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't come to church for this time. I, I need to go make money, okay? Um, no one has ever served God effectively, okay, um, and just been insanely wealthy at the end of their life, all right? Uh, when you think about the economics of Jesus being hung on the cross, you know, it's like how much money did he make when he got hung on the cross, uh, not much, all right? And so when you think about, hey, th- this is going to cost me to serve God. Yep. And you know what you're joining when you say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice to serve God. You are literally joining every other Christian in the history of the world that has sacrificed to serve God. But let's go ahead. Let's, I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit. What, what does she do here in this text? Verse 4, and there were some, I'm sorry, verse 3, and being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. This this box here of spikenard, okay, what what exactly is this, okay? Uh, Basically, this is an incredibly expensive perfume, uh, history would tell us that this is something imported probably from India, made from the tree roots of, of plants in India is the best I understand. Okay, but this is imported. It is expensive. Okay, And the way that they would bottle this perfume, box, bottle, okay, same idea there, is basically once, once you opened it, uh, you had to use it. Uh, there was no you know, uh, ability to open it and close it and, and kind of stretch it. You opened it. You used it, okay? Later on in the narrative here, Judas is going to come and, and, and he's going to say, hey, why don't you sell that for, for 300 
pence, okay? Uh, now, pence, okay, they're basically the idea of like the Roman denarii, okay? Uh, it's a unit of, of money, okay? Uh, at this point in history, again, 30s, late 20s, early 30s, AD, I guess early 30s AD, um, when you adjust for inflation and all that good stuff, basically, uh, this is a, a working man's day's wage, okay? So you go out and you work, and again, this is not like an eight-hour day, probably more like a 10 to 12-hour day, okay? You go out and you labor in the field as just a common working man, you're going to get about a pence, about a denarii, okay? And she says, hey, th- Judah says, hey, this could have been sold for, for 300 pence, okay? Now, you, you think about that. There's 365 days in a year. If you're a Jewish person, you're not working on 52 of those because that's the Sabbath, all right? And so uh, you do the math real quick. Uh, that is a, that's a solid year's worth of wages, and she goes, and she breaks the bottle, and she dumps a solid year's worth of wages on Jesus. Why? Just to be a blessing to him. Just to encourage him. Absolutely incredible. There was no plug. There was no hesitation. She just poured it out for Jesus Christ. Again, so many times in our life, it's, it's so tempting to say, hey, you know, I'll, I'll serve God a little bit, but totally giving myself over to him, well, I don't know if I can do that. You know, the Bible says in Romans 12, verse 1, says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Christ gave his life for you. Why can't we give our life for him? And you know, it's not that God calls everyone into full-time Christian ministry. I understand, you know, hey, when you're, when you're going to your quote-unquote secular workplace and you're being a light, hey, that's ministry. That's serving God. When you're, when you're in the home raising your children, that's, that's serving God, okay? But everything in our life should be dedicated, given over to the Lord, and we should all be willing to do whatever God calls us to do. I can remember as a, as a teenager, I must have been about 12, 13 years old, the Lord was working on my heart about uh, surrendering my life to him. And, and, and that's, not, that's a, a phrase we use, and basically it just means, hey, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And as a 12, 13-year-old boy, I just, I just knew, I knew, hey, if I surrender my life to the Lord, if I say, hey, Lord, uh, you do whatever you want with me, then I just knew that, okay, he's going he's, he's gonna to send me to, like, Brazil, uh, to the Amazon. Um, when I was growing up, I have like this fear of, I had a fear of snakes, okay? And so I knew uh, if I pray, Lord, do whatever you want with me, then before you know it, I'll be in the Amazon in a mud hut, surrounded by snakes nonetheless, okay? And miserable, okay? And, and you know, I had to come to the realization that even if the Lord sent me to the Amazon, to a mud hut, surrounded by snakes, that he would keep me safe and I'd be in the center of his will. And, and, you know, it's not that God calls everyone to to be a pastor, be a missionary, be a Christian school teacher, whatever, but every Christian should come to that place of saying, Lord, whatever you want in my life, I'm a living sacrifice for you. I'm I'm not going to be a Christian who opens the bottle, so to speak, and and gives you some of it, but I'm going to keep some of my life back for me. No, Lord, all of my life 
is dedicated to you. The song, Broken and Poured Out, beautiful picture coming from this passage here. When you look on, uh, ahead as well, how she served the Lord totally and completely gave herself over to the Lord. Serving God will cost you something. Now, I'm not saying that serving God all the time is going to cost you a year's worth of wages. Um, I'm not saying that. But you know what? When, when the Lord prompts you, hey, go, go serve me. Go to that church activity. Reach out to that person. Oh, but you know what that's going to cost me? It could cost you something as simple as, as your time. It could cost you your comfort. Because, oh, that's going to put me in an uncomfortable situation to, to go out and, and, and tell someone about God or, or take a stand for the Lord in my workplace. Well, that's going to cost me my com- Serving God will cost you something. Could be money, could be time, could be comfort, whatever, okay? It will cost you something. I remember this. In 2 Samuel 24, verse 24, the Bible says this. This is speaking of David um, as he is coming to the end of a, a plague uh, that had come over the land. And, and the Bible says this, And the king said unto Arana, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee. Okay, so David's going to go, and he's going to make a sacrifice to uh, atone for the, his own sin, the sin of his nation, stop this plague, and he's going to go buy this threshing floor so he can make this sacrifice. Okay, I will surely buy it of thee at a price, because he was just going to give it to him, this Arana guy, Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. It'll cost you something. But it's well worth, whatever cost it is, it's well worth it. Principle number three. Service for Christ is pleasing to him, but it will not please everyone. Service for Christ will please God, but it will not please everyone. Here's Mary. She, she makes this incredible offering to the Lord, and then you know who, who steps in almost immediately, starts murmuring against her, starts throwing her on the bus? There's Judas Iscariot. Why don't, you, why don't you sell that? You know, you wasted this. And you know, that's what, uh, that's what the world's going to say. You know, young people in here, when you say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve God with my life, I'm not just going to go and be involved in, in all the other things that everyone at my school is involved with or what you know, the, the kids, the friends of my neighborhood are involved with. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to serve God. Do you know what? People are going to look at you and say, they're going to say, you're wasting your life. You're, you're missing out on all this fun you could have. That's what they're going to say. Serving God is not going to please everyone. Now, is there plenty of times when you're serving God is going to please other people? Well, sure, okay. Uh, you know, if you're going out there and you're obeying God's command to love your neighbor, to be kind to people, um, is that going to be receivable? Yeah, sure it is, okay? Uh, so this is, this is, so understand what I'm saying here. But when you go and you take a stand for righteousness, you know what? There should be people who are going to oppose you. And so often it, it's our natural tendency, and I think it's the, the tendency of, of our culture today to say, hey, you know what, if you offended someone else, uh, you're, you're wrong for having done that. And you know what, here's, here's the truth, is that the truth of God's righteousness, the truth of the word of God, uh, it is offensive. You're not going to make everybody happy. 
You're either going to be offending God or you're going to be offending someone on this earth. And just between you and me, I would rather offend the people of the world before I offend a holy God that I'm going to spend eternity with. Okay. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, the book of 1 Peter, a wonderful book, really speaking to Christians who are persecuted. Uh, Christians who are taking a stand for their faith and they're they're coming under this immense pressure uh, from people around them. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Don't, don't think it's strange. Oh, well, I, I took a stand for God at work, and people made fun of me. Yep. Expect it. <laughs> they gave me a dirty look, Mr. Forbes. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that, that's, that's right. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Think about that. All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You know, and that, that does not mean, that is not tied to geography, that is not tied to a time frame. If you never feel opposition for your faith, you know what, I, I would encourage you, that's, that's a red flag to me. If no one ever looks at you and says, hey, you're crazy, no one ever looks at you and says, hey, why are you doing that? You're wasting your life. Well, maybe you're not taking a stand for the Lord like you should. Maybe in your life, maybe in my life, maybe there's sin that we need to confess to the Lord. All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So if you're not suffering some kind of opposition, we can conclude we're not living godly in Christ Jesus, are we? And again, that is not to make light of, of the intense persecution that our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, uh, who obviously go through so much more uh, than I think we endure here in America. Uh, but you know what? I think we're going to see, and we have been seeing for quite some time, opposition to Christianity here in America uh, is increasing, and it's only going to increase. And you know what? It's okay. The Lord said it was going to happen that way. When you step out by faith, say, hey, I'm going to take a stand for God. I'm going to serve God with my life. I'm going to do what I can to be a light in the world. There are some people who are not going to like it, but God is pleased. And you know what? If you're pleasing God, that's all that really matters. Number four, service for Christ may seem small, but in God's eyes, it is great. Again, Jesus says here in verse 8, She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Okay, again, Jesus says here, she understands what I'm going to go through. You think about this. This is not like a, I mean, obviously there's a great financial cost here, but this does not take a long time. You know, when you think about the narrative here, right, Jesus, he's sitting in the house, Mary walks in, opens the bottle, pours it on him, Judas chews her out, Jesus chews out Judas, and then, you know, the whole thing's, like, how long does this take? Like, five minutes, maybe? I mean, and yet, we'll get into this in the next point here, our final point here in just a second, but Jesus has nothing but high regard for what she does here. And it's something that just took such a, a small amount of time. H- have you ever been in a situation like that where, where someone does something that just seems so small and yet it just has this incredible influence on you? 
Uh, I'll never forget when I was in, in college, well, actually I was, I was the summer between college and seminary, um, I went to work at a camp up in North Carolina called the Wilds. I'm not sure if Pastor Sam references that. or Do you guys go to the Wilds? Is that Okay, you guys go? Okay, great. Yeah, great ministry. Love the Wilds. Okay, I worked there for a summer. Um, if you've not been, boy, you should go, okay? Uh, find a way to go there. Just such, such a great property. The, the staff there, uh, such a great place. Well, the, the man who started the Wilds back in 1969 was a man named Doc Hay, Ken Hay. And when I was, he's, he's since passed away. Uh, when I was there, I heard him preach, and, and he just, he preached something, and it just, it just stood out to me in such a way. And it's, it's one of those things where I can't even fully explain to you how this, this influenced me. He's preaching, and as he's preaching, he's doing like I'm about ready to do here and, and go long, okay? Uh, no, I'm, I'm almost done here. And he, he goes long. Again, this is, this is the man who founded the camp, okay? Uh, he, he's the owner of a thousand-acre property in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Uh, the, the, the wilds, they see like 10,000 kids come through their camp every year, right? I mean, so much history, right? He goes long preaching. No one cares a bit. Well, there had been a fellowship scheduled afterwards. There was going to be a, um, an ice cream fellowship scheduled afterwards, okay? And in his closing prayer, he said, Lord, forgive me for going long. I've inconvenienced the food service people. And I just thought, Wow, like what, what humility that here's this guy. And it's like, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares that you went long, and yet he was concerned about people who are going to serve other people. I don't even know why that made such a huge impact on me. And that's what I'm saying here. <clears throat> Excuse me, my apologies. When you take, when you say, hey, I'm going to go serve God, it could be something that in your eyes is so small, and yet it can have an influence in someone else's life. And when we don't have the sensitivity of the Spirit to say, hey, I'm going to serve God, you know what? You're missing out. You're missing out. You know, some, sometimes we, we, we get in this mindset of, hey, you know what? I sinned, but nothing bad happened, right? You ever, you ever had that thought? Well, I, I messed up again, but everything wasn't too bad, right? Consequences for me weren't too bad. But you know what? what? What could God have done in your life, in someone else's life, had we said, hey, I'm going to do what's right? You, know, you think about Saul in the Old Testament and how Saul, he's faced with this opposition in 1 Samuel 13, right? The, the armies of the Philistines are coming, his own small armies running away from him. He said, hey, I need a sacrifice and, but I need to wait for Samuel because I'm a king. I'm not a priest, so I can't offer the sacrifice. And then he says, hey, I'm going to go do it anyway. So he goes and he sacrifices, and as he's wrapping up, Samuel shows up, and Samuel says, what? If you had not, if you'd obeyed God, God would have established your kingdom. But now you're done. The kingdom has been taken from you. See, sometimes we think to ourselves, hey, you know what? Ah, but I sinned, I messed up. It was okay. The consequences for me weren't too bad. But how many of those kinds of situations where, hey, if you had done right, God would have done something great in your life. God would have done something great in someone else's life. You know, when we don't serve God, 
we're the ones who miss out. We're the ones who miss out on, on joy and peace and blessing. Number five here, service for Christ may seem temporal, but it will last for all of eternity. We read in the next verse here, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Again, how long does it take to do this, folks? This is like a five-minute little segment here in her life, and yet here we are 2,000 years removed from that, and we are still talking about what this woman did. Why? Because she wasn't focused on what someone else could do. She wasn't focused on, well, hey, I'm, I'm not a disciple, or I'm not this, or I'm not that. She said, hey, I got a bottle, and I've got Jesus, and we're going to put them together, and I'm going to do what I can do. Maybe you're sitting there here today and say, well, you know what, Mr. Forbes, I'm not sure why I'm referring to myself that way. <clears throat> Must be in teacher mode, all right? Brother David, um, I don't have a year's worth of wages in my back pocket, all right? Hey, do you know what you do have? You got some time. You say, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm not, I don't have music ability. I don't have the ability. Okay, you know what, maybe you don't have the ability to serve in, in the music department. Maybe you go serve in nursery. Go, go hang out with the kids. You know what, maybe, maybe you say, I don't, I don't have this. What, what do you have? Maybe he's sitting here saying, hey, I don't, my health isn't so good. Do you have a mind that can pray? The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man, it availeth much. Boy, you say, hey, and, and I know, <laughs> I know everyone can do that. You know, this last summer, working up at camp, there were, there were so many times. You, you ever have the feeling that you just knew someone was praying for you? Boy, I, I had that feeling so many times this summer. There, there are so many times where we'd see these kids come, they'd get saved. We're, we're an evangelistic camp, so, um, you know, like, like the Wilds or Teen Extreme or Kobiak or some, some of these other ministries, right? They're more focused on, like, church groups, which is great. All for it. It's awesome. Uh, when At Camp the Pines, the camp that I'm the director of, when we do our advertising, we just send out mailers to, like, the Pensacola greater area, just the community, Okay. Uh, we want lost kids to come to our camp. And it's amazing to see how kids can come on Sunday, they're an atheist, and by Tuesday night, they're accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. It, it's amazing to see what God can do. It's amazing to see what the gospel can do. And you know what? There's so many times where I just thought, boy, there's got to be people praying for me. And after the summer was over, there were, there were a few people that they said, hey, we were praying for you this summer. And I know their character. I know their love for the Lord. And I just think, wow, you know what? That's why God blessed. Because there were some people who were in love with God, and they said, I can't be there physically, but I'll pray for you. Hey, what can you do today to serve God? What can you do? Don't, don't ask yourself, well, if I had this or I had that, Boy, if I, if I could do whatever, if I was someone else, what do you have? What has God given you? Opportunities for service, they, they come up all the time, but if you don't grab them, they're gone. Service for Christ, hey, it, it's going to cost you something. It's well worth it. Service for Christ is pleasing to him. <laughs> You're not going to please everybody. There will be people who are going to call you crazy. They're going to oppose you. 
Service for Christ may seem small, but in God's eyes, it's great. And service for Christ will last for all of eternity. My challenge to you today is this. Will you, with what God has given you, will you serve God today? Will you do what you can do? Father, we love you. And Lord, I pray that you take your word. Lord, I know you've encouraged and challenged my heart. Lord, I pray that um, you would help help us all, Lord, to see the opportunity.